Leading Britain's conversation. You're listening to a podcast of The Steve Allen Show from LBC. Morning, everybody. Nice to be company. The papers are full of uh, tragic Joe's death, which has now sparked a poll surge. This uh, that outpouring of grief. You, you wish that it, it wasn't that way, don't you? You just wish that she was still here. But uh, she's not. She seems to have touched the hearts of everybody. Uh, really is quite awful. Anton Dex, £30 million TV deal, hits a snag. Kristin Rianoff, luckily with the photographer in tow, holds a baby shower with dreary old boyfriend Ben. Top Gear's Eddie says Jez's show had run out of juice. I suspect, actually, watching motor racing had run out of juice a long time ago. Fast cars blurring round a circuit with some adverts on the side. Not my idea of fun. It's Father's Day today, and believe it or not, Kim Marsh is worried a sex tape will go public. Somebody's trying to sell a sex tape of her, and she had no idea. How can you not know if you're being filmed? I mean, how can you really not know if you're being filmed? But anyway, they've asked for £30,000. The newspapers have politely declined. I mean, to be honest with you, it's Kim Marsh. Quid. Quid. I mean, no, no, you wouldn't want to spend £30,000 on that. God in heaven. I mean, what do these people do? They, they sort of have a, you know, a sort of a sex tape made. And then they go, I don't know anything about it. I mean, perhaps she's suffering from a dearth of publicity or she really genuinely didn't know that somebody was making a tape of her. You kind of spot the camera. Would you not think so? Perhaps she wouldn't. Uh, Clement Freud regularly drank at a pub frequented by a prime suspect in Madeleine McCann's disappearance. Uh, Marco Pierre White's idiot son, still acting the giddy goat. His mother says it's embarrassing watching him die on television. Well, better than that in real life, I suppose, dear. But uh, he is a complete buffoon. Adult's body, child mentality. I'm in a classic case of somebody who's gone off the rails and you hope they never get back on them again. I mean, really, quite a ghastly person. He's had sex on... He's been doing things on television, which, to be honest with you, you'd expect to see in a cheap, third-rate, 15mm porno movie. I mean, it's as bad as that. It really is quite, quite just not the thing for television. And the latest line-up for Celebrity First Date... Poor old Jessica Wright, fancy having to admit at the ripe old age of, well, you're over 30, aren't you, dear, as we all know, that you can't find a man. She cannot find a date. You know why? Foul mouth family. Foul mouth family. They got rid of Ricky Raymond, and we saw all the big bust up in the pub between the mother, mouthy little care, mouthy little care, in the pub, and poor old Ricky Raymond decided to cut his losses and disappear off. And, uh, and now, because nothing's really going for Jess, it's best to do a, a first date party, which is, which is basically. The programme for sad people who can't find anybody. That's what it's for. And then, of course, the other person going on it as well, they've named is Esther Ranson. Dear God in heaven, I mean, you might as well bring out an embalmer. Get her to go out with an embalmer. Cut, cut the middleman out completely. I mean, what is the matter with her? Why does she insist on doing these silly programmes? You know, she used to be a powerful woman on television. I mean, really, she used to be a powerful woman on television. And then it all went pear-shaped. They axed that to life. And, uh, and then it just kind of sort of disappeared. And then she started turning up on all sorts of funny little programmes. And uh, that was OK. And now, I think, really, on first dates, we're a bit... she's over 70. I mean, dear Lord. I mean, is she going to take her wigs with her or not? You'd like to know what she looks like without them, wouldn't you? <laughs> no, just me again. Just me. Anyway, and today is Father's Day. I have no idea what it means. I'm not remotely interested, mainly because, you know, my father died years ago. So, you know, I bought the card. I did the usual sort of things that everybody else did. But I don't know why we celebrated Father's Day. It's just that when everything appeared in the in the shops, we then assumed that uh, that that's that's what we had to do. We had to go and buy a card because it was Father's Day. But I don't know why we're celebra- celebrating Father's Day. We just, sort of, we just sort of do. Anyway, lovely day yesterday. God, the West End was packed. <gasps> was it packed? I was, in, I was in town for lunch, and I'd left my umbrella 
at Paul Cooper's shop, so I had to call back there, and I changed my shirt. Oh, God. And all the rest of it. Anyway, so I've done that bit. And I came into town, and I'm looking at the traffic, and it gets worse and worse. Seriously, I mean, the traffic was bad, and I needed to park around Covent Garden. And luckily, as luck would... Because I came in... I came in via the Tottenham Court Road kind of end, so it was a lot easier for me. And I came in via Floral Street, so I went down that way, and then I got caught up in some march. I've no idea what that was, but all of a sudden the air was full of orange powder, which seemed to go all over the place. I thought, I've gone blind or something. I seriously thought there was something out of my eyesight. I thought, blinked? No, it was... And they were throwing this powder in the air. It was a real pain in the rear end. Anyway, luckily, before the opera house, they all turned right, and I went straight on, and I got level with what used to be the theatre museum, and there was the parking space. I immediately, I sort of straight over the zebra crossing, into the parking space, and that was that, part for four hours, £16 in London, 16 quid, but uh, well worth it. I went and had a very nice lunch, and and then sort of dropped a friend of mine back at uh, Charing Cross, and then, um, and then Onwards and upwards. Got home at about about five past six, I think. So it was just right. Just the right amount of time. But luckily to find that parking space, that was dead lucky. And then today I thought, I'm going to have a lazy day. I'm not having a special day tomorrow. Tomorrow I've got Jonathan Price to interview. Now, Jonathan was in the paper last week. You'll remember Jonathan from My Fair Lady and from Miss Saigon, where he played the engineer. He's super talent. And he was complaining the other week in the newspapers about what people are not wearing on the red carpet at Cannes. Because it does tend to be, doesn't it? I mean, if, if a man turned up with a shirt slashed open to the navel, people would be complaining. Is that Tim arriving back to Earth again? It was all very exciting, wasn't it? They just, in the middle of nowhere, he just sort of popped out of the sky, and then they all had to rush there and get as quick as possible. It's all very exciting. Bores me senseless. Bores me senseless. Couldn't care less. So we've been to the moon. Who cares? So we've floated round in space. Who cares? I don't care. Seriously, I mean, I don't, I could, I mean, I think it's a great achievement, don't get me wrong, but I just don't understand what, what we've done it for. I mean, does that mean we're now going to go and live on the moon? They didn't actually go to the moon, did they? They just sort of go round the earth a few times. To be honest with you, I thought it was a cinema showing a nice film of sort of, you know, them behind it, then they get him out, and all he wants is a piece of pizza and a cold beer. All I'd want is to go to the toilet. You know, you've been hurtling through space at 17,000 miles an hour or something. And uh, they all get him out. It was all di- it's all quite ignominious, isn't it? Where they sort of lift him up and unceremoniously dump him on the ground. And then he gives sort of a couple of little interviews and then they have to take him away because he's, he's heating up inside the suit. He's had the suit on forever and a day. And he's still smiling. It can't be that bad, can it? Depends where you think he went. And, uh, no, I believe they did go up there. I'm always a big believer in that kind of thing. I don't, I don't believe in any silly conspiracy theories. I'm not, I'm not bothered about that. And he was struggling to walk. Well, he would be. He's been floating around, hasn't he, for ages and ages. It's like, I don't know if you've ever been ice skating. Go ice skating. Do an hour and then take your skates off. You'll find it impossible to walk. All of a sudden, it's like, ooh. And he was, he was exactly the same. But he's still smiling. Still smiling. I think that's quite nice. I think that's it's quite cheery. But as I say, I'm not remotely interested in it at all. I can't get excited. Five, four. Three. I really can't get it. I get more excited about Thunderbirds than I did about that. I just, I don't know why. Perhaps it's one of those odd things, isn't it? <laughs> anyway, what else was there? What else happened over the weekend? I'm trying to think, actually, I've, I've had a, well, it's only Sunday. I keep thinking it's later. I keep thinking it's later, but it isn't later. It's just, it's nice. I like, I like a Sunday, as you know. Sunday is another one of my favourite days, together with uh, Monday, Tuesday, Wednesday, Thursday, Friday and Saturday. Because I'm, I'm one of these infuriatingly, sickeningly happy people that absolutely loves every single day. I don't have any problem with any day of the week. I know people go, I get to Friday. I get excited about Friday. 
because that's one of my days off. And then and I think this week I've actually got, I think, interview on Monday, Tuesday. And then I'm off for the rest of the week. Well, I mean, I'm, I'm here except Friday. I'm not here on Friday. Uh, and if you haven't downloaded the In Conversation, my advice is do it now. Do it now. Really good one. Billy Ocean. And who was who was on with Billy Ocean? Oh, it was Nadia Hussein. Oh, that was a nice one as well. So two nice interviews. And this coming week, I think it could be Barry Humphreys. And I think it could be who? Ray Liotta. Ray Oda. Ray Oda. We're not sure about that. He actually calls himself Ray Liotta. I think at the end, I'm sure there's this. Anyway, you'll love it. You'll love it. They're both very, very good interviews. Uh, so wait, see, Jose Mourinho in the paper today, warning his daughter not to get snagged in wag scenes. She wants to become a model. No, really? No, seriously? Have you seen? Oh, they must be going for really, really unattractive people at the moment. And uh, Chris Evans expects to get sacked from his radio gig. Um, he's saying this now, I suppose, to preempt anything we might hear because uh, he's been accused of bullying and all kinds. But mind you, people say anything nowadays. Apparently, this this story, you know, the person who apparently has accused Cliff Richard of this thing, according to one of the papers today, this is the person who tried to blackmail him, contacted his offices and said, either I get some money or I'm going to make claims against him. And then the uh, the South Yorkshire police completely screwed up big time, didn't they? I mean, really. I mean, to be honest with you, the only thing, and the BBC just dismissed it like peasants, peasants. They don't care anything you know, about the fact that you think about it. They, they're a law unto themselves. And somebody sort of said to them, wait a minute, you had a tip off that the police were going to raid Cliff Richard's flat because it's a flat that he had on this uh, complex, which I think he's still, uh, since got rid of. And the BBC had enough time to say to the police, hold off. We need to scramble the helicopter. You can't just take a helicopter off. You need time to get the thing. It's got to be fueled up, ready to go. And then they go, right. And so they were hovering overhead when the police arrived. It was a complete set-up job between the, the BBC News, a disgraceful organisation, if you ask me, and the, and the South Yorkshire Police. Couldn't run a proverbial bath, ladies and gentlemen. Dreadful, really. Dreadful. Absolutely awful. And to watch the BBC hovering overhead like, like the vultures there. Can't wait for somebody in the BBC to get found out the same way. That'll be interesting, won't it? We'll all be there. We'll have a nice tip-off from the police. And then we can sort of sit outside somebody's house and see what happens there. Really annoys me, things like that. That was the most shoddy bit of journalism I'd ever seen in my entire life. It really was. It was as tacky as some editor of one of the papers years ago who mic'd up a rent boy to go and set up Russell Harty. They mic'd up a rent boy to go and set up Russell Hardy. That's how scuzzy the papers were. Dreadful, really. Absolutely. Small wonder this country's in a dreadful mess. I mean, it came in this morning. It's lawless. Lawless out there. Around by um, St James, as I was driving through, there's four lads playing, kicking a football around in the street. Kicking a football in the street. They were quite clearly drunk. Which, of course, appeared to go against their religion, I would have thought. But they drunk they were. Which I'd been a bloody policeman. I'd have caught them in. Not a police car in sight. Walked through Leicester Square. Oh. Dreadful. I mean, absolutely dreadful. The stuff we have to put up with, ladies and gentlemen. But we do, don't we? Because most decent people are fast asleep in bed. And believe you me, that is the place to be. Stay in bed. It's nice. Oh, Subo's Pebbles has died at 16. Uh, the death of her beloved pet cat. Possibly her only friend in the entire world. And then the cat... She got another cat and then that disappeared. Then it came back again. It's all, it's all become a bit of a mess, really, for poor Subo. She was very upset after the cat ran out of the front door because it's a house cat and she was worried. Imagine, though, living with Subo. The cat's sitting there going, oh, God, what sort of mood is she going to be in today? She has these funny little mood changes, doesn't she? Uh, also, 
Uh, what's that a picture of there? Picture of, picture of... Oh, yes, it's a, sorry, it's a, it's a picture of Taylor Swift and Tom Hiddleston kissing on a beach. Really exciting, you know, couple kiss on beach. Uh, and also 24-hour Tesco stores axed. They're going to axe the, uh, the 24-hour opening in 20 stores as it battles to reverse its record £6.4 billion loss. How do you lose that much money? Why is it the bank always write to us when we're a little bit overdrawn? You feel like saying, shouldn't you go and sort of deal with, with Tesco's? 6.4 billion makes my 380 quid overdrawn look a bit silly, doesn't it? Honestly. I was, uh, I was enjoying surfing the internet last night. And, uh, and I bought something for my Christmas show at the Magic Circle, which I'm very much looking forward to using. Very much looking forward to it. But I've had to get it FedExed over. Cost an arm and a leg, you know. Seriously, I've had to sort of cut back on everything. And then they were advertising shoes. Uh, not just any old shoes. They were on QVC. And were they sketches or something like that? I'd never heard of it, but they look fairly comfortable for walking. And uh, they're about 30 quid a pair, which is about my, my general level. I don't want to spend any more on a cashy pair of shoes and about 30 quid. So I bought two pairs. I think they're called Skechers. They were quite nice, actually. And they're supposed to be arriving this week, which is all, again, very exciting. More posed pictures of David Beckham doing his his UNICEF thing. And uh, as I say, it's just a photo opportunity. David Beckham kicks a football around and uh, and it does what? I I mean, I don't want to be cynical about this, but what does that do? Does that encourage people to give to the charity or does it just give publicity to David Beckham? I don't, I, don't, I don't really know. I'm, 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 I'm really, I'm a bit naive in that department. Because the other day, it was so funny. Uh, what was I talking about on the programme on Friday? Was it Friday? It, was, was it, it wasn't MS, was it? Was it MS or something else? It was, it was one of the charities. And it was a woman who'd, uh, who'd uh, fleeced us. She was a benefit fraudster. And I think she, it wasn't MS. It was something like that, but it wasn't MS. It was something else. And I said, I really don't care what somebody's got. I'm not interested in that. I'm interested in the fact she's a benefit fraudster. That's what I was interested in. I was interested in the fact, you know, it's, I mean, it's of no interest to me what illness somebody carries. I'm more interested in the fact that she's a fraudulent little tow rag who thieved money. You know, and so, and then somebody interpreted that as I didn't, I didn't like the charity. So they, they wrote to the charity. <laughs> and the charity wrote to me, and I was sort of tempted to write back and try and explain exactly what the story was. It was about the benefit fraudster, but uh, I thought I really couldn't be bothered, couldn't be fagged. The other person had been blocked months ago because they're uh, they're one of these little little stirrers, as they call them in the business. He's a, a funny little bloke with uh, with no brain cell whatsoever, and thought that I was dissing a charity. I don't know why these people don't mind their own business, honestly. I think they've got something better to do. 84850, uk And um, Donald McIntyre, he's got two bad stories today. One, the wife's gone off with a bodyguard. And secondly, Nazi thugs have targeted his home. All gone very peculiar out there, hasn't it? What's the matter with this country? 18 past five. You're listening to a podcast from LBC. Morning, everybody. 20 minutes past five. Phil Vicker is um, up early this morning. That's all I'll tell you, because I'm not sure whether or not they're going to the market. He's got some animals that might be going to the market, and I don't like to think about it on a Sunday. <laughs> uh, what else do we have? What else do we have, actually? Oh, there was, um, there was the, uh, the story about uh, Prince William. He's in one of the papers, today, offering advice to fathers. <laughs> Hello? Why on earth would anybody be taking advice from a well-pampered young man who's got no hair on how to be a father? I mean, I really ask you. 
I ask you. Uh, also, the agony of watching my son die on live television. This is poor little Marco Pierre White Jr., the one with no brain cell, who's got a video out as well at the moment where he's bedding a hooker and he's smoking, uh, he's smoking drugs. I mean, he really is a complete waste of space, isn't he? What a silly little girl's blouse he turns out to be. But I bet you anything, this morning I got a bid in for him, so when he comes out, they'll be able to explain why he's the plank that we all know he's... That he is. I mean, really, he's just disgusting. His father must be so thrilled. Mother, obviously, not very thrilled, but uh, father must be delighted. Chip off the old block, you know. Oh, look, that's my son, the tattooed old has been. What a waste of space. T- classic example of poor little rich boy with no brain. I mean, really, as bad as that. It's absolutely dreadful. Absolutely dreadful. Uh, I wonder, actually, what the weather is going to be like today. I did check earlier on, and uh, and it did say rain. And I thought, oh, God, is that... I mean, so Zora's just posted the weather. See, look, it, it doesn't say rain today. It says tonight, overcast with outbreaks of rain, becoming lighter during the evening, feeling humid but breezy. So today, dry with sunny spells, cloud increasing, 20 centigrade, and overnight 15. And then Monday, oh, here we go, overcast with showers, heavy at times, overcast with the odd isolated shower during the evening and a high 20 degrees. Tuesday through Thursday, dry, sunny spells, Wednesday cloudy, and Thursday... Thundery rain possible, warm and humid. It's ghastly, isn't it, really? It is absolutely ghastly. We have to put up with all these things. We just have to put up with But we don't mind, actually. We don't mind, because it's just it's just another day, isn't it? Just another day. I did feel sorry for poor old Jess Wright. I mean, honestly, how to admit at the age of over 30 that you can't find a boyfriend because you're so blooming boring. That's like most of the people from TOWIE. You know, to watch Chloe Sims, another picture, staggering out of a pub, three sheets to the wind. What an embarrassment. I mean, really. I mean, is it because she's got old and nobody wants her and she's a bit shop-soiled? And people are looking at her going, I don't know, you're a bit of an embarrassment, aren't you, to your daughter? Here's Mummy staggering out of the pub again, laden with makeup. I mean, it really looks bad. And Jess Wright, I mean, dear God, if, she doesn't, if she's not careful, you know, I'll go around and build a shelf for her in the corner. She can sit on and I'll cover her with cobwebs. I'm not going to waste any time with her anymore. We've had enough of this kind of stuff, haven't we? Uh, Steve. Uh, Maggie says, grown men playing football in a kid's play area. Drunks. Women dressed like tarts. I have to tell you, that the, the, uh, there was a woman. She was, I was almost driving through St James's. She was half naked getting into a car. It's... Uh, <laughs> I sort of look at these things and I think, are there, are there any police officers in London? They did say that if, if we have bobbies on the beat, and I'd quite, I suspect shortly there'd be quite a few from, uh, from South Yorkshire's police being made redundant, and uh, perhaps they could come down to London and pound the beat. Good idea of actually getting the weight off, some of them. I mean, some of them look as though they couldn't manage to sort of run from one end of the square to the other. Well, that'd be nice, wouldn't it? Perhaps we could have some nice slim police officers back again. I think unlikely. I think unlikely. 84850 oh, steve at uk. Uh, the Mirror Today. Uh, Madonna's Father's Day gift to Guy. I'm not, I'm not into this Father's Day stuff. I've decided it's, it's a bit of a waste of space for all of us. But uh, the death of uh, Labour MP Joe Cox, if you listened to LBC yesterday, it dominated the news, led to a rise in support for Britain staying in the EU. And uh, there's a picture here of Joe's dad, uh, Gordon, and sister Kim hugging yesterday. And it was everybody came came together. You know, that's the good thing, isn't it? We're, we're very good. She was perfect, they say. I doubt she was perfect. I doubt she was perfect. I don't think anybody's perfect. But, you know, she was the nearest thing to it, loved by the school pals and all the rest of it. And it was just, it's just awful, isn't it, that something like that in this day and age can happen. You don't understand why. I don't think we'll ever understand why. 
But, you know, I wonder whether or not how many people in that uh, in that business, and not just that business, but loads of other businesses, have started tightening up security, have started wondering about, you know, is is the next person on the corner some lunatic? A friend of mine uh, said he got on the train the other day. A friend of his got on the train the other day. Some bloke produces a knife on the train and on the, on the, on the underground and says, I'm going to kill you all. And they're all going, get off, get off the train, get off the train, quick as possible. You know, and I don't know what happened, whether or not the police were called to it. I mean, it's dreadful in this day and age, isn't it? That, that, I thought we'd had a knife amnesty. I thought we'd actually got rid of all the knives and they'd all gone uh, back in again. But there's still people going around and carrying guns as well. What has gone wrong with the world? Uh, Christina Rianoff, and uh, what a bore she turned out to be. She went and met numerous men before she luckily found Ben Cohen, who got her up the duff. So that was good, wasn't it? We were all very pleased about that. And so she got baby. Now, got baby here, and uh, she go, then there was a picture of her and, and Ben turning up, which is lovely, because he's now got four children, uh, three he's paying for, and, uh, and the new one. Hope he manages to find some work. I really do. It's all looking a bit thin on the, uh, on the, uh, the front. Uh, but anyway, um, she broke the news in January on Celebrity Big Brother, and uh, they've gone from strength to strength. Yeah, that's at the moment. You wait. Just around the corner's the biggest upset you've ever heard. Promise you. Never wrong. Anton Deck uh, are in talks over a, a new TV deal. They're being held up because they're unsure they want to host Britain's Got Talent again. To be honest with you, they don't actually do anything, do they? They just stand in the wings and go, oh, well, they like that, they like that, wait, and that's it. To be honest with you, you could have a couple of trained chimpanzees standing there doing it. So, uh, no, drop them from it. They don't need to do it. You could have anybody standing in the, in the wings. Much easier. Uh, they earn £4.2 million a year each, and the new three-year offer hinges on the Geordie duo remaining on their hit shows. I'm a celebrity, Britain's Got Talent and Saturday Night Takeaway. In other words, the same shows they did last year, the year before, the year before, nothing new at all, because every time they try something new, it, it's a disaster. It's, but they're now Ant OBE and Deck OBE, which is, uh, which is quite good, isn't it? The funny thing is, every time I see them out with their wives, the wives look, look like they're carers. They're much older than they are. Much older. Well, they look much older. Although there was, a, there was some woman I heard on LBC earlier on. And uh, was it on LBC? And somebody said, how old are you? And uh, was it television? No, it was on television. Have you seen this bizarre programme? They've obviously dropped it now. It's called The Fried Chicken Shop. What a bunch of chronically awful tat that is. I wouldn't be seen anywhere near the chicken shop. And the people that go in it, oh, my Godfathers. It was like, bring out your dead. Bring out your dead. What a bunch of degenerates. What a bunch. They all sit there. Yeah. And there's one, one woman came in and she said to this bloke, she said, because you're really hot, aren't you? Really hot. She was like old enough to be his grandmother. And he was going, yeah, I know I'm really hot. And she started running around all over his body. I mean, she was either three sheets to the wind or she was on something. It was all very disturbing. And so I watched about ten minutes of this programme and then I suddenly realised I'm so glad I don't get near any of these sort of shops at all. Cliff, accuser, was arrested over plot to blackmail him. The man is said to have contacted the pop legend's PR after seeing the televised raid on his home, demanding money not to spread false allegations about him. But Sir Cliff's people shopped him to local police who promptly arrested and questioned him. He's, uh, he's got mental health problems. I mean, is it... Am I reading this every day in the newspapers? Every day in the newspapers, there are people out there. Is there no such thing as sort of special care for people with mental health issues? Do we, are we not spending money on it? Or was this a, the direct result of the Thatcher government who cut back and they started closing places? So there was nowhere for people to go. And they just started wandering about on the streets. They closed St Bernard's in Southall, which was a home for... Mental, well, in fact, I say it was a home. It was a hospital. It was a giant place. I mean, absolutely enormous. It's a housing estate. They sold it off for housing estate. 
And you think, but what about all the people who are in there? Where have they gone to? Are they just left wandering the streets now? The answer is probably yes. Probably yes. But we need to do, need to do something. Need to do something. Uh, 84850, steve at uk. Uh, as you love your job so much, Steve. Oh, that's sickening, isn't it? I, I'm, I'm embarrassed telling you I love my job so much. But uh, luckily, all of us in this building love our jobs. And you can't believe you get paid for doing it. He says, would you consider doing the show for free, says James. Shall we, your listeners, have a... No, you're just by yourself, aren't you, dear? You don't have any friends, by the sound of it. He says, shall we have a word with your producer? Why would you want a word with the producer? What do you think it's got to do with him? What do you think it's got something to... It's got nothing to do with him. Why would you think it's got uh, anything to do with the producer? Good God, honestly. I mean, really. You really are very odd, aren't you? As I say, once you find friends, it'll be, it'll be different. But at the moment, while you're sort of struggling to, uh, to get command of the English language, I suspect, you know, and if you really think the producer has anything to do with the money, you really need to go back to school. Yeah, yeah the producer said, if you want to pay it to him, it's, it's a very, very good idea. <laughs> I tell you, pushing the wheelbarrow to the bank every week is just so embarrassing. Sometimes I have to ask the producer to give me a bit of a helping hand, so he staggers down the road, you know, weighted down with those gold doubloons. We love him. We absolutely love him. Uh, so McIntyre's wife is falling for her bodyguard. He's, well, the best thing you can say about him is he's not very attractive. And then we had that uh, Can't Pay, We'll Take It Away programme. Uh, that's where you've got that sickening, you know, bloke who comes around saying, well, I think it's terrible that people have... You know, been thrown out on the street and we don't like it. And I, I feel very sorry for them and all this kind of thing. And then when he saw the mess that some old scally left in this poor woman's house, there's this, I'll tell you the story about her because I felt for her at the same time. It was disgusting. And he said at the end of the day, you have to realise, what's his name? This is the, uh, the High Court Sheriff. His name is Paul Bowhill. I mean, frankly, he's as old as God. They need to take him off the programme. He doesn't... I mean, sometimes he's, he's quite interesting. On this particular one, he was OK. But it's awful, isn't it? We've given you enough time for it. And uh, I'll tell you about it, because it was, it was a good one yesterday. You're listening to a podcast from LBC. Morning, everybody. Nice to have you company. 20... Oh, I'm to 27 minutes to six. Sunday morning, it's Father's Day. Somebody called Melanie. Don't, don't you just hate it when you get the real chav spelling of the word Melanie. M-E-L-O-N-Y. Because I am a chav. And uh, she's in a cab, poor soul. Oh, bless you, honestly. How sweet at this time of the morning. What sort of person would be in a cab at this time of the morning, dear? One asks a question. <laughs> We've all worked it out around here. Anyway, so going back to can't pay, we'll take it away. This is where... It's a factual reality documentary, as you know. It follows the work of the High Court enforcement officers known as sheriffs. Now, once they get the High Court writ, that is God's law. It's as simple as that. They can, they can enter your property. They can get you to vacate it. They have access to everywhere. And when people in this series go, you're not coming in here, they just call the police. And the police come round and, uh, and enforce the law. And one of the guys in there, Paul Bowhill, he's, he's a very old man. And, uh, oh, it's terrible why they put these people out on the street. They, they, he does go the extra mile, but to be honest with you, he's not paid to do that. He's a High Court enforcement officer. He's not supposed to become emotionally involved. And what he does, he goes round to these people's houses, as we had two the other day. Uh, one was a woman, I think she might have had six children. And they were in a house. The woman who owned the house uh, was only young. Her auntie or mother was dying. And so what she'd done is she got the house rented out so that they would have a bit of an income. Meets this woman, I think at a parent-teacher's thing, and says, um, yes, you, you can rent, rent my house out. They paid the first month, and then they didn't pay anything. 
they didn't pay anything at all. I mean, she's quite clearly one of these people, you know, who has no intention of paying anything at all for where they're living. So for six months, this woman had no income at all. She's having to get jobs. She's having to sort of go out there and she's having to sort of do painting and everything else. And some people own an absolute fortune. Um, this this woman, um, literally, when she moved out of the house, the mess, you can't... I mean, seriously, you cannot believe the mess. This woman was a pig. An absolute pig. Living in this property, I think, with... I forget how many kids. And she she'd never paid a penny. She paid the first thing, and then she hadn't bothered doing anything else. And he goes in there. The woman comes back to see the house, and she goes in there. She goes, this... This was my daughter's bedroom. They'd ripped the, the paper off the wall. These people were filth. Filth. And then there was another couple. And uh, he, he said, oh, you know, we need to get everything out of the house. Because each, each uh, programme has people who owe money. Anyway, this one owed thousands. Again, they'd moved into the house. They hadn't bothered it. He was obviously a self-employed painter and decorator. And, um, and it was just ridiculous. I mean, th- these people amass huge amounts of money. And their last resort is going to the High Court. They get the writ out. And then they go. They've been to Italian delicatessens. They've uh, they uh, they had to evict a, a community of travellers who set up home in a private car park. And uh, however, they got a hostile response. And uh, then they ended uh, uh, a Romanian family who stopped paying the rent seven months ago. All these people who just move into somebody else's property and think, well, sod you for soldiers. They don't bother. When this woman pushed off around the court, the council rehomed her. She'll only trash their place as well. She was filth, absolute filth. And then they went up to, where did they go to? They must have gone to Wembley, trying to find a company who was sort of inside a place. And they owed, I think, oh, at one point they were at Swindon Town Football Club. Swindon Town Football Club, they owed money as well. But uh, they managed to get it. And they go to this this place. This guy owed, I think it was 5,000 quid. And anyway, some big burly bloke, all mouth and no, no trousers, uh, goes off. It was... Um, it, it wasn't that one. It was another, they've obviously been to another. Uh, they've been to Wembley a few times. It was, it was like a storage company, and the bloke said, "You're not coming in. I need to see a copy of the written. I need to give it to our legal department." And they went, "Well, we are the legal department. It's not to do with you. You're nothing to do with it. We need to see the person on this one." Well, I need to give this to our legal department. Anyway, they called the police, and then they just walked into there and they uh, and they managed to get the bloke out, and uh, they got half their money because they will accept half the money. You have to pay it all, but they will chase you. Oh, I tell you, I'd have a field day with these people. They're, these people are scum. These people don't know how to live in decent communities. They're not interested in paying anybody's rent. The, the bloke who came back, he was a mouthy little so-and-so. And uh, Paul said to him, look, I'm the most easygoing person. We've helped you. He said, they even helped pack up their stuff and take it all out. In the end, they just said, we're going to put it all in the garden. You can take it away from there. They just needed to change the locks. And so he came back with the money in pound coins. Pound coins and 50 pence pieces. He was a complete and utter, you know, little spherical objects. That's what he was. He was a complete and utter buffoon. He thought he was being really clever. I just laughed as they turfed the old bag out. I was delighted. She hadn't played anything for ages. Seriously. And then they also found, uh, at an eviction in uh, Docklands, 8.5 million in counterfeit notes. Then they went to a residential property, turned out being used as a brothel. Uh, you only had to look at it to realise it was a brothel. Uh, and then, then they arrived at a restaurant in North London to collect unpaid rent. But the bloke who owed the money says, I'm not paying. And so they started to remove goods, because that's what they do. They are legally allowed. If you challenge them, they can have you arrested. It's as simple as that. And so they, um, they, so they went in there and he said, I'm not paying you. So they started stacking the chairs. They said, what are you doing? They said, we're taking all your furniture. 
We're taking all the furniture away. I mean, I thought, I love programmes like this. I think it's great. I mean, it's interesting enough. After Paul and Steve attended an eviction with a twist, they discovered that the landlord was trying to reclaim the property. It's the debtor's mother. They also went to the eviction of a multi-occupancy house where they found a group of tenants who've got issues with the immigration status. Then they had to evict a man with a history of mental illness and call on the local minister to persuade the tenant to leave. And uh, it just it just continues to go from bad to worse. From bad to worse. There was also a Korean education school, unpaid rent. But the debtors made accusations to the police that they were violent. But, of course, we knew that they weren't because we'd seen it on the television. They were liars. These people are just the filth. They really are, I tell you. Don't ever rent your property out. Oh, goodness me. Don't ever rent your property out because nobody looks after it. I mean, there was one of them. Uh, they went to, I think, a travel company, which owed £16,000. And then one of the employees proves to be less than helpful. Later, they went to Middlesex to a computer repair shop. The manager claims the company of Seastrip. These people lie through their teeth. And then there was another one. They go to an eviction. The tenant was, in fact, the letting agent and has been living in the house under a false name. It's just, it's just unbelievable. These people stand there and blatantly lie about, no, do you know the owner of the place? No, no, I do. I'm just looking after the property. It's you, isn't it, dear? You're the fraud. You're the fraud. It's great, isn't it? Great. I love programmes like that. They're very good. Very good. Uh, you should watch Nightmare Tenants, Nightmare Landlords from Hell, Channel 5. Some unreal people, says Charles. I think they're fairly unreal on this programme. <laughs> very entertaining. <laughs> 84850, steve at uk. Uh, Jose Mourinho and uh, his uh, his daughter. Uh, she, there was a picture of her. She was sort of half naked at some awards ceremony. A little bit gruesome. She wanted to become a model. Well, she does. And he said, no, no, really. <laughs> uh, 84850, steve at uk. And uh, I do like, we went out the other day. I mean, look at that picture. How could she ever be a, how, she's 18. How could she ever be a model? I mean, I just don't really... Under- it was the most peculiar outfit. Very peculiar outfit. Anyway, so I'm just blocking somebody. I do the same as other presenters on this stage. We take great delight to do it. it seriously, it makes me so happy. It's so funny. You have to put the, the sad people out of their misery. And uh, I'm thinking of putting Melanie out of her misery because I don't believe anybody's this unattractive and is able to... I think she's obviously lifted something from a Hammer House of Horror film. And Melanie, M-E-L-O-N-Y. I mean, I ask you. Absolutely ludicrous. It really is. Top of the Chav list of bad spellings. God in heaven. Where do they get it from? Do you think they sort of... They go, oh, I never went to school. Because you can imagine what they sound like, can't you? I mean, that must be it, I suppose. Uh, don't forget, later on today, it's lovely Katie Hopkins. is going to be back with us again. Broomstick's in, so I know she's here. And uh, she'll be with you a little bit later on. Uh, on the subject of, um, uh, on the, subject of the, uh, the BBC, uh, the BBC um, are, sort of, are trying to defend themselves over the appalling way that they treated Cliff Richard. Uh, 84850, steve at lbc.co.uk. I mean, it is absolute tat that they, they get a tip-off from the police and then that gives them at least an hour to get their helicopter in the air and get over there so it could all be filmed. It was disgraceful. Absolutely disgraceful. Uh, what else we got in the papers? I mean, I'm quite pleased, I suppose, that Major Tim is back. 17,000 miles an hour. That's what you call a bit of G-force, isn't it, really? Madonna and Guy putting their bitter wrangle over Rocco aside as children fly in for Father's Day. Anything less than a, a caring family, you'd be hard pushed to find. I think it's a bit difficult for them, isn't it? Uh, we had all the things. She went to court, and uh, and then Rocco came back, and then he went over there, and then he came back again, and now we don't know where he is. I care precious little. And Zane, 
says he needs advice from Adele. No, you don't, love. You really don't. You need to go and get some proper advice from somebody who's qualified to deal with your anxiety. How about, um, who's the hypnotist? He can... Uh, Paul, what's his, what's his face? You know, Paul had been on LBC loads of times. He, he, can, he can do some hypnotism. Paul McKenna could do this for him. He could do that. He could get him out of these anxiety attacks. If it e- indeed it is anxiety, perhaps he needs people around him again. I don't know. I'm not sure if the rest of the boys are talking to him. I wasn't totally convinced that they, they were. But it's no good asking Adele to sort this out. You need to go and get some proper advice from somebody who's, who's qualified. So go and see somebody properly. In fact, you should have done it before now. Stop, stop wasting everybody's time. Go and sort it out now. You know, do not do it. Because let's face it, he pulled out a Graham Norton show because he was terrified. I don't know why. There was a great line-up on, uh, on Graham Norton the other day. Really good line-up. I think Tom Daly was on there. Three years he's been with his boyfriend now. Three years. Nobody thought that one would last. And uh, Elton John was on there. And they put Elton John next to the tallest man in the entire world. There's some giant of a bloke. And there's little Elton John, honestly. I mean, he'll have to get bigger wigs. Something like that. Malcolm says, I think Jeremy Carr's lost the plot. The show used to deal with sensitive issues. Seriously. No, it didn't. It's never done that. It's always, it's always been there for sort of the cheap laugh. Oh, yeah. I mean, it's always, it's always the cheap laugh. It's when he brings on his friend Graham. Graham stands there and Graham can sort out everybody's problems. It's just marvellous. And the whole show and then he sort of walks off. It is, it's played for laughs because, but bearing in mind, all these people have signed a thing. They want to be on television. Otherwise, by now, the sort of people he's dealing with, they'd have laid him out on the stage. It's all set up. The whole thing is set up. They, they bring Graham on who just sort of, you know, fannies around in the background and then they bring him on to sort of sort out some people who couldn't care less either way. They really couldn't. I mean, it's, it, it's sort of, it's just... And then Jeremy starts shouting, and then he sits down, he goes, I will not get off, get off my side, look at me, look at me, listen, you can do better than him, you can do better. and of course they can't, but he tells them this, and it sort of gives them a bit of false hope that, uh, that there is somebody out there for some of these uglies, I mean, some of them sit there, I don't know where the family teeth went for the day, but they seem to have vanished completely, it's almost a case of, they open their mouth, and you think, where are the teeth gone, they've all disappeared, uh, what else have we got in the paper today, oh, more on David Beckham, helping children, he says, I'd rather come and help these kids than manage England. Well, there you go. I wasn't aware it was an option, but it's very sweet of you to make a contribution. And um, who's this? A lot of uh, Johnny Depp watching dancers. Belly dancers, apparently. He's got a band as well. And uh, my caravan is better than the Caribbean. Who would this be? Come on. You'll never guess in a million years. Boxing legend Frank Bruno opens his seaside haven to the mirror. It's a tatty old static caravan, ladies and gentlemen. And when I say tatty, that's about all his money's bought him, I think, really. And uh, inside, it's even worse than you can imagine. I mean, seriously, he must have lost all his money. He can't have anything left. These caravans, you pick these up for about 11,000 quid, don't you? And um, they also say Helen Mirren is a member of the caravan club. This isn't... you, You can't take this thing anywhere. It's static. It's all, it's all boxed in underneath. It's got little tiny wheels. They don't tow it. It arrives on the back of a lorry and then they lift it off. So poor old, poor old Frank Bruno. My caravan is better than the Caribbean. Oh, no, it isn't. The Caribbean is much better than your tatty old caravan. If you look at the furniture inside it, it's ghastly. I mean, it's not even been fitted nicely. Oh, dear, honestly. I think we need to have a whip round. Actually, I'm delighted to say that a whip round has gone on for, uh, for Labour MP Joe Cox, for the charities she supported. Do you know they've got more than £600,000 in already? Isn't that good? You wish that they didn't, 
You wish that they didn't. You wish that she hadn't had to lose her life for them to get that. But that's what's happened, and that's how much money they've raised so far. Quarter to six. You're listening to a podcast from LBC. Did we ever find out who won the Broadcaster of the Year thing? I don't... I mean, as far as I remember, the last time we looked, it hadn't been... hadn't been finished. But then it must have been finished by now. I'd love to know who won. It certainly wasn't me, that's a fact. Uh, but we'd, we'd love to know. People keep writing in to me saying, whatever happened to it? Whatever happened to it? And we, we've got... Have they not done it yet? No. Yeah, the poll... But no, no result. Well, that's unbelievable, isn't it? This was the... Um, was this Radio Times? Have they seriously not come up with the results yet? Yeah, and it's not... Uh, it's not telling us. Well, we're very hurt by this, ladies and gentlemen. So we don't know. We don't know. All we know is, and for those people who've joined the programme recently, I got nominated as one of the 20 best voices in the country. There were 20 men and 20 women uh, on radio, and I got nominated as one of the best voices. Uh, and we're still waiting. There was, I can't remember who actually was on there. Eddie Mayer, Jeremy Vine. Um, uh, oh, no, that was, that was the panel, wasn't it, there? That was, that was the panel. <laughs> Sorry, wait a minute. Is that me? that me? Back the other way? Can't see myself now. Uh, oh, pardon me. Oh, it is me, actually. Uh, Steve Allen, a mischievous voice for radio. Owen Bennett-Jones. Is that the, the one who walked out of the interview? Owen Jones, or is that somebody? That's somebody different. OK. Michael Berkeley, Henry Blofeld, uh, Ken Bruce. I can't compete with these people. Harvey Cook, Charles Collingwood, Barry Cryer. I mean, Lord. Uh, Alan Green, uh, who does football. John Humphreys, uh, Martin Kellner. Eddie Mayer, I can't compete with him at all. Chris Moyles, oh, he was on it as well. Was he on the list as well? Was he really? I must phone him. Uh, Trevor Nelson, Colin Murray, uh, Neville Nunes, Sean Rafferty, Charlie Sloth, Charlie Sloth, Uh, John Suchet, Russ Williams. Wow, there's loads of us. Loads of us. I didn't know there were that many people. I'd forgotten the list, actually, from ages ago. But no, we don't appear to have a result as yet. We'll, We'll let you know. Well, perhaps they'll let us know. That would be nice, wouldn't it? But, I mean, you look at the competition you're up against. I mean, I'm not holding, not holding my breath on that one. Stephen in Walton on the Hill says, Yuck, 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 Jeremy Kyle. Actually, his show has always and only been about Jeremy Kyle. Nothing, nobody else. Well, it's, it's a vehicle for promoting him, but they don't know what else to do with him. That's, that's the big problem that ITV have got, is that they tried him on uh, This Morning... And that didn't work at all. They tried him on breakfast. That was a disaster. He can only do that sort of programme. He can't do anything else. He doesn't have any... He doesn't have any warmth. He doesn't have any warmth. And, and you need to have some sort of warmth. Thank you, for, <coughs> excuse me, Jackie, for the uh, the golden balls. I've had numerous people sending me uh, details about golden balls, which is very nice indeed for the, uh, for the garden. Actually, I tell you, all of a sudden, within the last couple of weeks, everything has burst forth. Burst forth in my... Uh, in my small way, which is lovely, which I'm very, very pleased about. Uh, that can't pay was really old. Oh, yeah, they're all old. They're all old. I mean, I haven't made a new one for ages. In fact, the poor what's-his-face has died. Uh, some of them are genuine, though, a little bit of a minority. Yeah, it's people who just move into somebody's property and then they don't bother paying. And then they go, we're going to empty it all out. You think, well, empty it all out. But eventually they didn't uh, want to stand there any longer. They're wasting everybody's time. <coughs> Great shock, actually, really, to many of them when the High Court bailiff turns up. They will say the same. Well, we didn't get anything. Yes, you did. Yes, you did. Of course you did. And they go, no, we didn't get anything at all. Well, you've got, 20, uh, you've got an hour to get your stuff together and get out. To go where? Oh, no, it's not my problem. It's your problem. You've known about this for months. 
which they have. William's message of hope for all of us on Father's Day. Well, give up now, if that's the best it can get. Sons and daughters need our help as much as their mothers, by the Duke of Cambridge. And, uh, you know, he, he talks about how fortunate he is for his young family. Yeah, exactly. You don't need to work. You live in a fabulous house with loads of servants. Granny's got a nice little place you can nip round to. You've got somebody to do all your uniforms and all the rest of it. It's, uh, in fact, actually, you don't, you don't really have to lift a finger, do you? I mean, let's be brutally honest about it. You don't have to do anything at all. It's all done for you. The only problem is you've got your brother trailing around. You know, that's, that's the only problem. But uh, eventually he will find somebody and settle down, we hope. But uh, no, nobody has to do a... Do anything at all. Uh, Ascot again. Princess Beatrice was wear, there wearing that revolting coat she got the other day. Obviously, they'd given it to her, saying you need to wear it twice. And um, Charles was there and Camilla. Camilla looks very good in her outfits. And uh, all sorts of people. All sorts of people were there. Um, but it was uh, the Queen who enjoys going. And Eugenie and Beatrice go again. I mean, they really are poor souls, honestly. It's the best they can manage. Two bone-idle people in the royal family. God, oh, no, sorry, they've got their father as well, haven't they? Oh, and Sarah Ferguson, there's a mother. And then there's quite a few other hanger-oners in the royal family who don't actually do anything. They really don't. Uh, a plain shocking result for the Queen. And um, the Queen checking on whether there will be a third runway built nearby Heathrow, which is fairly close to Windsor, which is where she spends most of her weekends, as well as a month there, over Easter. And... Um, you know, we'll we'll wait and see on that one. I used to go to Windsor Castle a lot. It's quite it's it's great to go round inside. Then they started charging after the royal family screwed up completely over fire alarms when they were told to put them in. And they went, no, 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 we don't need to. Then they had a fire, which we then paid for afterwards. And then they um, then they then they put uh, the price up to go inside. So all of a sudden, you now have to queue to pay to go into Windsor Castle. It's outrageous, really. It should be free for anybody. Sorry, British. Yeah, in you come this way. Thank you very much indeed. That's the way it should work, shouldn't it? Uh, Donna Eyre, my sadness at Grandpa's final battle. I thought, that's sad. Something's happened recently. She's spoken about <clears throat> losing her grandfather after a long battle with dementia. He died in November. December, January, February, March, April. Six months later, she's talking about it. And um, they say she shot to fame in Biker Grove, and she said her grandfather had been a huge influence in her life. When she appeared on the television, she was called Donna Airhead, as you know. Uh, the press didn't take too much to her. The press haven't taken too much to Eamon Holmes. They don't seem to like Eamon Holmes very much. Uh, I think mainly because he doesn't appear to have any sense of humour. He appears to have it for the people he works with. When it comes to the press, he's got no sense of humour at all. It's greatly disappointing. And so one of the papers today, and I think it's the Daily Star, are concentrating on... Wait a minute, I want to turn it over. Oh, that's right. Kelly Brook. I'm reckless with my heart. This is Kelly Brook. Don't ever try and have a conversation with her. Thick as a brick. And uh, the model and TV star. She's not a TV star at all. She's never been a TV star. Uh, on her new show, Colourful. Uh, Colourful Love Life and Why Her Exes Should Be Scared. It's all a bit dreary because Eamon Holmes will be furious because he's he's co-presenting it with uh, with Vicky Patterson, I think. And so they only ask Kelly Brook about it, whereas Eamon Holmes is the fat bloke in the middle. And it's on Channel 5, so nobody will be watching it. And they've got loads of pictures of Kelly. Takes a lovely picture, but as I say, when she opens her mouth, you suddenly realise we're sort of, we, we, we've gone backwards. We're certainly not going forward, are we? Five to six. Uh, the other story is that Top Gear's Eddie... Uh, this is the bloke who does motor racing. He says that Jezza's show had run out of juice. I don't know why. What is it about uh, sort of Eddie Irvine, who sort of seems to think that the British public are interested? Eddie Jordan, sorry. Who's Eddie Irvine? Who's he? 
He also used to be a driver, that's right. But uh, Eddie Jordan, he said, why people are interested in motor racing? Blurred adverts going round at 100 and something miles an hour, exceeding the speed limit. You know, and, and you look at it and you think, and you think that Jez's show had run out of juice. I suspect it's maybe your shows that have run out of juice. Nobody's interested in, in this sort of motor racing anymore. It's, it's kind of run its course, hasn't it? We're not really that interested. We, we try and get interested. But to be honest with you, it's just a bunch of old so-and-so standing there telling you about how much money this thing is worth and then cars going very fast. For what purpose? I've got no idea. Doesn't seem to. I mean, if I want to put my foot down on my car, I can do it, but uh, I wouldn't because I'd probably get sort of points all over the place. I did laugh the other day when we sort of came into town and we were kangarooing all over the place. Uh, the great package holidays, hot again. People want package holidays. And the reason they want package holidays is because we go, how much is it? And they go, well, it'll be about, you know, I mean, you can get a good package holiday for about 600 quid now. Seriously, 600 pounds, including all your booze and food, because they do all-inclusive. Admittedly, the booze is a bit, bit garbage in a lot of places, because you have to get the, the local beers and stuff like that. But uh, apart from that, it's, you know, it's, if you've got loads of kids with you, it's cheap to do that. They can drink, you know, fizzy drinks and oranges and everything else like that all day, which is good. Um, the ungrateful Philistines, Margaret Thatcher's children, block a sculpture of their mother because it doesn't portray her in Iron Lady Prime. And that's the interesting thing there. So Mark Thatcher, a buffoon of the First Order, that's the one who got lost. He was so arrogant when he came into LBC years ago. For some reason, he seemed to think he was some big deal, whereas we just looked at him and laughed. And he turned up with police bodyguards. We had police marksmen on the roof of the building. Seriously, I mean, it was, it was hilarious. And then he sat there with his feet up on the table, an oaf of the worst possible kind. Carol, I love to piece, I think she's hilarious. But I don't know why she sort of stopped this. Perhaps it's Mark who stopped it. He's a very odd cove, ladies and gentlemen. And then One Direction's Niall Horan, dismissed as a badly dressed nobody. He goes to Ascot... And he's wearing morning suit. Or is he wearing... Lo- no, he's wearing lounge suit. And in the royal enclosure, it's supposed to be morning suit. It's supposed- you're supposed to dress for it. He didn't have the faintest idea. So somebody from... Wait for this. BBC Radio Berkshire. Sorry, I'll just say it fairly quickly. BBC Radio Berkshire. You know, because, it- because they're-, they're-, they're sort of real, real out in the sticks kind of stuff, you know. That's actually the, uh, the radio station. Probably give you farming news. You know, that kind of thing. Today, it's a good day for planting wheat. And now, let's hear from the vicar. Hello, everybody. You know, and that's the kind, that, that's what local BBC Radio Berkshire is like. Debbie McGee's got a show on there. Sorry, Debs. Sorry. Oh, there you go. You know what it is. I remember when it, when it first opened, actually, it did have farming news. It did have farming news on there. BBC Radio Berkshire. Anyway, and um, so she won't be listening to me this morning. Well, she might be, actually. You never know. And um, and uh, and they sent out one of their, their reporters. Hello. <laughs> yes, goes now. BBC Radio Berkshire. BBC Radio Berkshire. You must have heard of us. BBC Radio Berkshire. And uh, I'm the roving reporter. Yes. And I'd like to go away. And he dismissed him. <laughs> dismissed him out of hand. And so they said, arrogant little person. Well, he always was, Niall. I mean, he doesn't really do anything, does he? He, he, he was sort of the, uh, the pretty one, but that was, that was about as far as it went. Actually, none of them, they haven't actually done anything of, of any note since then. You know, he hasn't done anything. I thought he was sort of getting involved in... Um, in playing golf, which is quite sweet, actually, although golf bores me senseless. I've got friends of mine who play golf, and they absolutely love it. They absolutely are addicted to playing golf. Me, nothing. I cannot see the excitement in golf. Seriously, nude tiddlywinks would be about my mark, but certainly not golf. News at six is coming up very, very shortly on LBC. A friend of mine lost his uh, mother 
yesterday. It had been expected, but it's always a horrible shock when something like that happens. He knows who he is, and he'll be listening to the programme this morning. And uh, all I can say is I know exactly how you're feeling, how empty you feel, how dreadful it is. And uh, you don't ever stop thinking about somebody. And that's that's the good thing. That's the good thing. You always remember the good times and you always remember the photos and the letters and the Christmases and everything else. So my commiserations go to that uh, that friend of mine for yesterday. Apart from that, we've got lots of other stories coming up. The other side of the news, which is next, including a story about fans of diving. You're listening to a podcast from LBC. Morning, everybody. It's Sunday the 19th of June. It's Steve Allen's early breakfast coming along with you uh, at 7 o'clock. I nearly said 8 o'clock this morning. It <laughs> might have frightened him, actually. Andrew Castle's going to be with you this morning at 7 for breakfast. They've got a lot to get through on the programme. We'll give you a rundown a little bit later on. Katie Hopkins is here as well. Whee! Love Katie. It's a nice, bright, sunny day, so, of course, she'll be completely blinded by the light. Last week, I don't know what she was wearing. I mean, seriously, but it was a fashion faux pas. She had golden shoes on. She had... It was really... Really cool stuff, actually. I looked at it, I thought, no, I could actually wear something like this. And then I thought, could you really? And I thought, yes, you really could, actually. Uh, On the programme today, Zane needs advice from Adele, or anybody, and Major Tim's come back to Earth. Would have been easier if it had been Major Tom, wouldn't it? We could have done our ground control to Major Tom, but there's no point in in doing that. Uh, Clement Freud regularly drank at a pub frequented by a prime suspect in Madeleine McCann's disappearance. I mean, I have a feeling this one's going to run and run now. I think this, this is actually going to come back into our lives and we're going to be talking again about Madeleine McCann and talking about the link to Clement Freud, if indeed there is a link to Clement Freud, which I think there, uh, there possibly might be. It just seems a bit odd, doesn't it, that Madeleine McCann disappears and then Clement Freud starts getting involved, but as he's dead, we're not ever going to, uh, to find out anything, are we, really? Other stories in the, uh, the papers today... Uh, this is, uh, oh dear, trying to find something that isn't particularly sort of down and depressing. Oh, this is the story about Niall Horan, the the One One Direction bloke, who turned up very badly dressed. He apparently, according to the story, he swore at a radio journalist. Um, uh, Niall brushed off BBC Radio Berkshire, their, uh, their sports editor, Tim Deller, when he asked him for a quick chat at the races. Bemused Tim branded their encounter the most unimpressive performance from a celebrity ever, said he had no idea who Niall was. Well, you should have done. Why were you going up and talking to him? I mean, come on. He said he's not even dressed properly for the royal enclosure. He's wearing a lounge suit. Top hat and tails are the order of the day. Uh, after the BBC tweeted about their meeting, normally polite, polite Niall replied, I'm not there to stand in front of cameras and do, and he said a rude word, interviews for you. Nice to see courtesy isn't dead, you silly little boy. Silly little boy. I'll tell you one thing, Niall, I'll give you some advice. Comes for free. Uh, you meet loads of people on the way up. You'll meet even more people on the way down. They'll soon be going, Niall who? So, you know, don't ever take people for granted. Somebody's doing their job, OK? He doesn't earn anything like you do. He's only young. And he just asked a fairly straightforward question. And you, dismissive little nobody, has to sort of go and destroy him. So, you know, it's just, just grow up a little bit, OK? We know you're 22, and obviously you're not the most intelligent person in the world. But, I mean, goodness sake, you know, spare a thought for people out there doing their jobs. They don't want to stand out there talking to idiots like you. But he's doing it because he thought you are an interesting person, even though he claimed he didn't know who you were. Of course, it's probably the worst thing that probably annoyed you. Uh, a couple have sold their collection of vintage diving helmets. Anthony and Yvonne Pardew's hobby... Uh, saw them amass more than 150 of them. 
Uh, they were lovely from, from the 1850s to the 1970s. And um, they, they were welded together from scraps of metal, some of them. Um, and th- they're really interesting. How much did they make? £570,000. There's a hobby. Start, if, if you're going to start collecting something, start collecting. Start collecting. Trapped my childhood of journals of cruel abuse by Clement Freud. Isn't it? It's amazing, isn't it, really, that, you know, nobody knew about Clement Freud and the fact that he had a liking for young girls. Nobody knew anything about it at all. And then uh, all of a sudden somebody comes forward and starts talking about it and people go, oh, right. It, never, it really never crossed my mind. But there again, I should imagine there's, there's probably quite a number of people whose mind it, uh, it never crossed. Um, Charles Spencer is in the paper today. Uh, he's got a, a loving tribute to his father. It's uh, a portrait of his father that uh, he said it honours the promise I made to my dad 25 years ago, which, of course, was Diana's father as well. And uh, the other story uh, that's running in the paper today is the bravest lovers in Britain. Enemy bombs cut Rick's body in half and destroyed Hannah's leg. How they survived the agony of recovery in two broken marriages to find one another and fall in love will truly astound you. I mean, it really is. It's it's quite some, uh, quite some, quite some going on a story. Well, I like a nice story on a Sunday. I do like a story that kind of makes you feel a little bit better about life. And then sometimes, you know, you don't feel very good about life, and you read stories in the papers that you make you feel a bit sad. And it's been like that over the last couple of days, hasn't it? Um, Barry Howard. Do you remember Barry Howard from Heidi High? He died. Uh, he has stated in his will that he wants his ashes scattered off the end of Bournemouth Pier. Didn't know there was a pier in Bournemouth, actually. I'm trying to think about where... Oh, yes, there is. I've just remembered where it is. But uh, he starred as the ballroom dancing teacher in Heidi High. He died at the age of 78. He appeared in numerous productions at the Piers Theatre before it closed in 2012. Former theatre manager Ian Good said it was a special place for him, so I can understand why he left the request. So he wants his ashes scattered there. But nice... But nice. I hope that they 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 go with his uh, wishes because that that would be a nice thing. I would like to think that his last wish in life was to be scattered at the end of Bournemouth Pier, and somebody said, "Yeah, we can do that for you. Why not? Least you can do. Least you can do." Eight four eight five zero Steve at lbc dot co dot uk. We put all your texts and emails into the uh, the program. Apparently, I'm going off to um, to Sorrento, which is very nice. I've never been to Sorrento, but I'm going there off to Amalfi today which is lovely. Wendy's taking me. That's obviously part of the podcasting service that LBC operates. I'm taking around the world on this programme. I love it. I'm, I'm really very, very happy. I, I don't mind where I go. I'm very, very good. Uh, this is the um, a pensioner riding a mobility scooter down the motorway, if you please. Uh, he trundled down at five miles an hour. Hundreds of drivers were brought to, the, brought to a standstill, many of them calling the police. The woman thought to have been heading to the shops when she took a wrong turn onto the M275 near Portsmouth. Oh, God. I mean, you'd think you'd know, wouldn't you? Everybody's whizzing past you. I mean, do they, I mean should, is she fit for purpose? I mean, should she have been on a mobility scooter anyway? She took the wrong turning. I mean, you'd think you'd realise, wouldn't you? We don't know how old she is. But as I say, pen, you know, people going past her must have been thinking, what the dickens is that? Awful. Uh, Cliff Richard, forced to wait 22 months. And... Um, He's going to face no charges. Uh, the man who has uh, accused him also set up a plot to blackmail him. I mean, how are these people allowed to operate? I mean, it's, I don't really don't understand it. So somebody can go to the police. He's already been told off for sort of trying to blackmail Cliff Richard. And then he sort of comes up with these allegations, which, of course, are quite plainly not true. 
It's as simple as that. And um, Clifford said the other day, um, you know, that he didn't. He doesn't know who this who this man is. He's got no idea. Claimed to have been molested at a Christian rally, as if, as if. But you know, you have to put up with these people. We see them on the television. We see them on the television. There's obviously quite clearly more people with sickness than we imagined. People who are prepared to make something up. It's not just men. It's women as well who make things up. People who claim to have been raped or attacked. And we've had some, some classic cases over the years which we've reported on on LBC. And really, it is absolutely appalling. Something needs to be done uh, about it. And it needs to be done fairly, fairly quick. Uh, word on the street is Shane Ward and Sophie Austin are back on again. Luckily, they've got a photographer to take a picture of them. And um, he's on Coronation Street. They left a bash on Friday night. Uh, he's 31, she's 32. They're both obviously in it. And uh, they're all a bit odd. Actually, this sort of stems back, really, because it's a Coronation Street story. And it goes, really, with the story of Kim Marsh, of whom there is a, a sex tape. Producer said he wasn't surprised. Um, I, sort of, I sort of erred on the side of caution... Sort of thinking to myself, Kim Marsh and sex tape. And um, I'll tell you the story. I don't really want to tell you the story, but because it's in the papers today. Uh, the Sun has been offered a film of her performing a sex act on a man, uh, believed to be a partner at the time, for £30,000. They were also shown pictures of Kim naked and in revealing poses. We declined to make an offer for the video or photographs and alerted Kim's representatives, which will be her agent. Uh, Last night, a source said Kim had absolutely no idea any sex tape existed, let alone it was in the hands of a person vile enough to attempt to cash in on it. Well, quite clearly, as you were doing these things, somebody photographed you. I mean, how you never saw it, I've got no idea, but uh, lots of people did. Kim has done nothing wrong. She'll do anything she can to stop these images being made public. I fear not, dear. I fear that they will be made public. Somebody somewhere will buy them and they'll put... They won't get their £30,000. They're not worth £30,000. Nobody knows who you are. If this was Kim Kardashian or something like that, of which there have been many, then it would be completely different. She's humiliated, upset. Yeah, but it's only somebody filming what she was doing. I could understand it if it was not her in it and it was somebody purporting to be her. But, you know, you can't be humiliated and upset by betrayal. You went out with somebody. They photographed you doing something. And uh, now they want to sell it because you've obviously got some sort of value, but it's not £30,000, is it? Anyway, uh, she's since been linked with another personal trainer and uh, she was married to Jack Ryder and uh, Kim's agent didn't comment when the, uh, when the son on Sunday contacted them. I don't know why. I don't know why. Why would you not want to know about it? So she's had various, various boyfriends over the years and um, and that's it. They say she's in bits over a sex video. Well, don't do anything. If you, if you think it's very likely that it's going to be filmed and photographed and somebody's going to be, uh, you know, putting it up on the internet or something like that. Because if they can't sell it to a newspaper, who would then not have anything to do with it? All they'll do is they'll just put it up on the internet. It's as simple as that. You know, if, if a, a newspaper's not going to publish it, are they? They're not going to cough up £30,000 at all. Uh, then there's a picture of, oh dear, poor old Sarah Harding. And here she is, she's on holiday again, single Sarah, that's a big surprise, and um, she says, uh, physio is so boring, I need to ice my leg four times a day. Oh, that's a shame. She says, but I've got a hot Aussie instructor. Oh, what would she be doing out in Australia, dear? I wonder. And, uh, oh no, this was Dubai here, and then she was taking selfies, but there was a photographer who went with her to take pictures of her taking selfies of herself. It's all a bit, all a bit tacky. But they still put her down as... 
30, 34. I mean, come on, and the rest, Sarah. Come on. 38 at least, dear. Singer and actress. No, absolutely not. I'm sorry. We're not buying into that one. Don't be so silly. You're not a singer or an actress. We've seen your acting. You're definitely not an actress. Believe you me. You're about as much of an actress as I am an actor. And you're about as much of a singer as I am going into Les Miserables. It's quarter past six. You're listening to a podcast from LBC. Morning, everybody. 17 minutes past six, Sunday morning. It's Daddy's Day. It's Father's Day. Have you bought the card? Make one. Make one quickly. Get a piece of paper. Fold it in half. Come on. Left over right. Right over left. Whichever way you do. Do a picture on, on the front of sort of Daddy, of what you think Daddy looked. This is for the little people. It's not for adults. It's for little people. Do a picture and then write to Daddy. Love from Amy or whoever it happens to be. Okay, That's all you have to do. It's very simple. Yeah, petrol stations don't do cards. Perhaps they should. Perhaps they should. And Daddy will not appreciate a bunch of sad old flowers. Okay, a bit like poor little Joey Essex. What an embarrassment. Joey gets to meet the Queen, so he buys a cheap bunch of flowers from the motorway service station. I mean, it was just an embarrassment. A bit like Joey Essex is a bit of an embarrassment. Poor soul, honestly. But as I say, he's never made it onto mainstream television. They don't bother with him. And they, they kind of leave him to sort of stew in his own ignorance. And that's exactly what it is, I'm afraid. It was an embarrassment to watch the programme. Uh, Ken Smith says, uh, I saw these uh, a little while ago floating across London. Um, they're balloons at 5.30 this morning. Quite a number of, good Lord, quite a number of balloons. Float, are they not all floating over London, are they? I didn't realise that many balloons could fly over. It all, are they all the same balloon? And if you just superimpose them, it makes it look like some sort of alien invasion floating over the dome. I don't think you'd be allowed to float um, that many balloons over the dome, Ken. I don't think you would be. It would be a hazard for, for flights. I don't think we've had balloons floating over the capital before. So I'm erring on the side of caution and saying they're made up. You've superimposed them and you said I saw them half an hour ago floating over London. I don't believe it. Unless somebody else can send me in some pictures of these balloons. Because this one here is one, two, three, four, five, six, seven, eight, nine, ten, eleven, twelve, thirteen, fourteen, fifteen, sixteen, seventeen, eight, nine, twenty-six balloons floating over London. I would think that would be uh, a problem for air, air traffic control. Oh, it's the balloon regatta. 40, they say. Well, we've lost three. We had 37 a minute ago. We've now lost three. And they're floating over London. Chloe says, from a far distance in Bexley here, I can see the hot air balloons. What a sight. Balloon regatta London. And, um, oh. There you go. If you're fully awake, you can see balloons. Are they that? Where are they now? Where are these balloons now? The Billingsgate Market an hour ago. <laughs> God, how lovely. Oh, well, there you go. 40 hot air balloons from Balloon Regatta. Uh, Lem Sisse says, woke up to watch hot air balloons over central London. You must have thought it was like a visit from another land, wouldn't you, really? They, they're sort of coming in. It's dreadful. Oh, my goodness me. We're going to be taken over by balloons. I've never been in a... Well, that's a pretty sight. I've never been in a balloon, actually. I'm too frightened to do something like that. I wouldn't. Uh, I wouldn't actually want to do it. I really wouldn't want to. I don't mind other people doing it, but I don't want it. They, they took off about 4.30, I think. The morning ducks and the geese will be going a bit freaky. What's going on up here? What's going on? We're normally by ourselves. You could go feeding the birds tuppence a bag. I like it when you get all the different... Sh oh, that's pretty. That's moving, that picture. Isn't that clever? It's actually moving. 
Oh, well, there you go. Balloons over London, boys and girls. That's the best I can offer you for, for Father's Day this morning. And except they all land safely. It's all that's... Yeah. I would have thought it was quite dangerous to fly over London with a... Just supposing something happened. Supposing a group of ducks collided into it. You think that photograph is... Well, it would be from one of the balloons. How else are they going to get one looking down on them? Sometimes you ask yourself, how did I get him? Could have been from the shard. <laughs> no, no, no. It's not the shard at all. It's quite nice, though, isn't it? We do, uh, we do like it. Somebody asking, where, where is your award? Now, you know if you listen to the programme. Uh, uh, Steve, there are balloons, mate. It's true. Heading south from Lee. Uh, the award is in my brother's uh, place at the moment. He has a cabinet and he's, he's got my award. So uh, he's looking after it. Can't wait to see what the other uh, the other ward's going to go to. Anyway, uh, star trying for first baby with Liam. Say close pals, Cheryl and Liam are trying for a baby. Oh, dear. You don't want to tie yourself down with that, Liam. That would be a foolish mistake. And she's obviously sort of desperate not to do anything for the rest of her life. Um, I don't know why. I don't know why. As I say, we, we had it with Rihanna, uh, Christina Rianoff. And she managed to go out with loads of people until she found uh, Miss, Mr. Cohen. Um... The Matthew um, Freud's father, again, Clement Freud, who's in, the, uh, who's in the papers again today, regularly drank at a pub frequented by the former prime suspect in the Madeleine McCann disappearance. And so that's in the papers today because we didn't know anything about Clement Freud at all. Colleen Larks with Dumbo. Yes, Colleen. <laughs> really busy person. Not. Um, is, uh, is out there going on a Dumbo ride, which must have, I'm assuming it's Disneyland. Because when you're here, you might as well do something like that. Why not? Peaky Blinder. This is British astronaut Major Tim Peake returning to Earth to a rock star's welcome, complete with sunglasses. And it was. It was a complete rock star's welcome. All of a sudden they go, there, there, there. And this balloon comes out of the sky. And you think, well, I mean, it's, it's quite something. I wouldn't want to do it, but, you know, it's nice for other people to see. Lots of people sending me in pictures of the balloons. Thank you. Uh, One Direction, says Steve. Uh, more like, what do they actually do now? No direction. They just seem to loiter around waiting for the paparazzi to come along. So the next day they'll make it onto the tabloids uh, with a massacre article of which of uh, who, is, who is kissing who. Pete reckons the balloons are over Essex. Wow. They're moving fairly fast, aren't they? In fact, actually, it's, it's, that's quicker than a train. Quicker than a train to get out to over... See, in Essex, it would be different because you've got loads of places to land. Nothing in central London at all. Nothing in central London. <laughs> but uh, I, I, like, I quite like the idea of balloons. I like all the different shaped balloons. You know when they do balloons and they're all, you know, some are shaped like Toby jugs and some are shaped like all... And those I could... I wouldn't want to go up in one, though. I'm frightened of stuff like that. I really am. I'm just sort of, I'm a little bit scared... In case it all goes pear-shaped. I mean, it's only a little burner, isn't it, with some uh, some gas up there. And that's about it. I just don't fancy it. There's certain things you can get me to do and certain things I wouldn't be thinking about doing at all. Harry Styles, soldiering on. He's taking the photographer out to get a picture of him uh, doing a bit of running in France. Because he's actor. Well, he's not really. We'll have to wait and see, won't we? I shouldn't imagine I'll be giving him anything too confusing to do. Um, and um, who's this? Little Mix? have shed light on where they might be getting the inspiration uh, of their gigs from, because they've gone all raunchy. Although, to be honest with you, I, mean, I think raunchy and little minx don't, don't quite go together, do they? Gigi and Bella Hadid have developed a skill some girl bands never really managed to master, and that's wearing the right outfits. I mean, when you see poor old little mix, I mean, bless their hearts, they haven't got the faintest idea what to wear. I think they have stylists. I think they have stylists that say, listen, go out and wear this. Because I didn't realise... 
Uh, sorry, until I watched the television the other day. That who taught Michael Jackson the moonwalk? It was a guy called Jeffrey Daniels. Jeffrey Daniels was put into a group uh, called, I can't remember at the moment, it'll come to me in a moment, um, on top of the pops by Michael Hurl, top, top producer. And he put Jeffrey Daniels on there, and Jeffrey was a dancer. Uh, I think they put him into Shalimar. Shalimar. He had a big hit with Uptown Festival, which was just basically a, a linking of all Motown songs that they, they sang to. And I first heard that at a club in Earl's Court years ago. Years ago. It was fantastic. And, um, and so Jeffrey Daniels came on top of the pops and started doing this walking backwards stuff and doing body popping long before anybody else was doing it. Michael Jackson certainly wasn't doing it. Anyway, um, they got such a reaction to him, they brought him back to top of the pops just to dance to, uh, to a couple of records. And the public went crackers for him. Who else saw it? Michael Jackson's management. The next thing is he's teaching Michael Jackson how to moonwalk. They, by that time, it had changed its name. It was just walking backwards, I think, before then. Mm. And so he went to America and he taught Michael Jackson, who then renamed it the moonwalk. And that was the thing. Everybody went, wow, how do you do that? We've all tried it, haven't we? Come on, everybody's tried moonwalking. Some of us are rubbish. In fact, I'm, I'm fairly rubbish at anything like that. I have tried it before and I, I thought maybe I'd got it, but I think you have to be a... A certain person. Elaine, the bus driver, well, if she's telling me it's true, it's true. She wouldn't fib to me at all. She says, I've just seen all 36 balloons. There's 40. There's 40. And she says, I've seen them going over us in Dagenham, so they're real. She says, not many people would have seen them because nobody in Dagenham gets up till 10 o'clock. <laughs> in fact, most of them are still, go- still in, in bed. Aren't- no, sorry, still just about going to bed, aren't they, Elaine, at this time? So she's seen 36 balloons, so we're, we're now missing four. Oh, God going to be hearing about that later on aren't we they're doing in the night garden down at richmond i've never seen the night garden but i'm assuming it's lots of sort of ooh are creatures or something like that is, is it all i know it's for little children because they've got these huge tents uh jeffrey daniels was in imagination says tony don't be so silly no he wasn't get, get me get me the list up of imagination i don't think he was there at all uh another one saying yes i've seen the uh, the balloons I know. I mean, I'm, to be honest with you, I mean, I, I quite fancy seeing them now. I feel a bit, a bit miffed that I'm stuck here in the, uh, in the studio, sort of looking out the window. But because I can't see the sky and because they've now headed over to Essex, I'm just not going to get to see them at all, am I? Which is a shame. But at least I've got your, your photographs today. Having your, your photographs makes me feel as though I'm actually there and I'm actually enjoying it, which is good. Uh, what did I want from here? This is a pill used by students to stay awake for exams. Can help men last longer in bed. Oh, Lord, you don't want it to last longer, ladies, do you? Goodness, the last thing you want, isn't it? When they go, oh, they could go for hours. What? Oh, you're far too busy with things like that. There's the hoovering to do, the washing, the ironing, the cleaning, the cooking, the meal. An hour? You must be joking. Ten minutes, that's including a cigarette and a quick recap of the shopping list. That's about as far as you want. Who wants any longer than that? Nobody wants to last longer in bed. Only when you're first married, and that wears off after about, about two minutes, doesn't it? <coughs> now, of course, it takes you all night to do what you used to do all night. Um, there's a, a breakup husband, and uh, he was so angry that he put his wife's cat in the tumble dryer. Oh, dear, honestly. It's just a point. Why do people do things like that? It's, it's, it's this cruelty to animals. Animals bit just doesn't uh, doesn't get me at all. And fine, fifty pounds for an idling motor. This is a driver who is taking too long to leave a parking space has blasted a loony euro law. 
Kevin Taylor said he got a tap on the windscreen waiting in his Mercedes for a gap in the traffic. A traffic marshal told him he was polluting the atmosphere by having his engine running and handed him the fine. You see, the trouble is, I don't know why traffic marshals seem to think you're polluting the atmosphere. You could sleep with my car's exhaust playing into the bedroom. You wouldn't suffer any ill effects at all. Exhausts have changed a long time. Well, you can tell me Jeffrey Daniels was in imagination. He wasn't. No, it was Lee, Lee John was the lead singer. No, Jeffrey Daniels was in... Shalimar. I know these things, Tony. I'm an expert. You tend to forget I grew up with this music. Me and Billy Ocean got on like a house on fire, as you'll hear this evening at nine o'clock on LBC, because we both come from the same, the same generation of music. I know everything about music. I might not every sing- know every single person, but when I see something on the television, I've luckily got a great memory. I can't remember what I had to eat for lunch yesterday, but I can tell you members of groups and what, what the hit was. And because we've got YouTube, I can find out all sorts of things about people now. And I love it. I come into the office and the first thing I do is I go to YouTube. It's the first thing that I'm actually linked into. If you like magic, and you know that we all talked uh, the other day about Richard Jones. Corporal Jones is a bandsman in the household cavalry. And um, they say he's been accepted into the mysterious ranks of the magic circle. They always call it the mysterious ranks. They've got pictures of uh, Robert Harbin levitating, chungling Sue. Uh, All of this you will see. You will see Robert Harbin invented a a trick called the zigzag. And this is where you open the doors to a box. The girl gets in and he pulls the middle out. And this thing, when it appeared on stage, he'd only just finished painting it. And the original, the original, is in the Magic Circle. And if you come to my show at the Magic Circle at Christmas, details on the Magic Circle website, you'll see that. You'll see the costumes of chungling Sue, who uh, pretended to be Chinese and didn't speak any English at his press conferences and had an interpreter. But in fact, he he did speak perfect English because he was. And uh, and so you'll see his costumes there. You'll see all sorts of things. You'll see the clock that works with uh, with no electricity to it whatsoever. You're listening to a podcast from LBC. Morning, everybody. 26 minutes to uh, 7. Andrew Castle will be here at 7 o'clock this morning. Actually, it looks like it's going to be quite a nice day, doesn't it? Does it? I don't like to be... Too, I like to look out the window and think, oh, that looks... I mean, from all I can see here is the tops of the trees in Leicester Square. But the producer can see sort of at the back of the building. And it looks it looks very bright, doesn't it? Glad I brought my sunglasses. And it's all very lovely. The balloons are landing in Essex near Brentwood. Bill says, I've just seen them on the M25. And, uh, Steve, it, North Ockenden near, near Brentwood. Must be a very big place if they're landing 40 of them. Can you imagine? 40 to land is, is, is quite a lot, isn't it? I think so. It must be, that must have been lovely to actually fly over London. That must be like, you see, every time I fly over London or fly into London, if you fly in at wintertime when, when the snow's on the ground, London looks beautiful. All it is, it's just orange lights everywhere. And I always try and see my, my place from the air. But then, at the beginning of the opening sequence to Mary Poppins, you imagine if you're in a balloon, that... That's what it must be like flying over London, where you get Mary Poppins sitting on the cloud. I mean, that must be really quite wonderful. That's a magical thing to do, isn't it? A magical thing. Balloon ride at Christmas. Uh, Gladys says, I'm in Dagenham. Here we go, fibbing again, honestly. Don't be silly, you're called Gladys. You can't live in anywhere like Dagenham. <laughs> she says, and I've taken pictures of balloons travelling from southwest to northeast. Look at you knowing stuff like that. And uh, up, up and away. Oh, yes, that was the... Uh, would you like to fly in my beautiful balloon? You and I, we can fly. I think it was the Johnny Man Singers. 
It wasn't the fifth dimension. It was the Johnny Man singers. And don't ever question how I know these things. I'm just particularly good at remembering. The fifth dimension were Aquarius. This is the dawning of the age. Which was the musical where he disappeared under a sheet and came out with nothing on. <laughs> I used to sit there and watch that time and time again. Time and time again. Yeah, but uh, up, up and away, the Johnny Man singers. I mean, put it this way, I'm, I'm prepared to put a tenor on that. I'm that confident. No good questioning me on music. I'm very good at that. Um, right. You spot on about Jeffrey Daniels. I think the move was called The Backslide before it became Moonwalk. Yeah, it, it wasn't called Moonwalk when he did it. It was The Backslide. Because people were saying, has he got, you know, wheels on his shoes? Is he on, you know, is it oil put on the floor or something like that? And I know that because it was done on a programme looking at Top of the Pops the other day, which Michael Hurl produced. So, uh, so I'm, I'm pretty confident. No, up, up and away... Beautiful balloon, Johnny Man Singers. Um, and the reason I know that is because I had the album. I'm a big fan of 60s and 70s music. I love 60s and 70s music. Actually, the funny thing is, I'm fairly eclectic with my musical taste, except classic, except um, jazz. I can't bear jazz music. I wish I could, but I, I really can't. I'm much, much better. Um, is that, uh, what's that news there? Uh, this is a, a singer who's been shot dead somewhere. Somebody from the Mexican version of The Voice, who's just been shot dead. Uh, that's the second person who's been shot dead. There was Christina Grimmie from The American, was shot dead when she was signing autographs. Yet, What the God's name is going on in the world at the moment? I mean, really, this is absolutely... It's almost like I've wandered into some horror film or something. It's dreadful. It really is dreadful. What we need is we need a spate of really, really good news, don't we? We need a, a spate of not having any... Somebody said to me years and years ago, they said... Wouldn't it be nice if we had a newspaper that only printed good news? Well, we did. And it didn't last very long at all because the people don't want people want to know what the news is. And sadly, life is, is made up of good bits and bad bits as well. Uh, another one here. I don't remember Fifth Dimension covering it. Well, put it this way, they didn't have the hit. It was the Johnny Mann singers. I shall get the producer to prove it very, very shortly. And uh, not the Mike Sam singers. Definitely not Mike Sam singers. Definitely not. But this way, they might have done cover versions. The hit, the hit was the other one that I said. I'm never wrong on that. Don't even, don't even question me. You know, you know it's absolutely... If Steve Allen says it's right, it's absolutely right. I don't think I've ever been proved wrong on anything. It's almost too embarrassing. Uh, what else we got here? Why was that? Oh, yes, uh, Top Gear's Eddie, uh, Eddie Jordan saying that uh, Chris Evans is, was working and Jeremy Clarkson's wasn't. Well, he's 68. They say he's fiery. It's just a bit boring, isn't it? I mean, the whole thing is boring. Who cares? Who cares? Got better things to worry about in life. I quite like the happy families as brothers and sisters go on an outing. They're all peculiar, aren't they, in, in Madonna's family? There's nobody who's sort of, you know, blessed with looks. You're never going to be going, oh, it's like, you know, um, you know, somebody else's family where they're all sickeningly good looking. Uh, the Zane story appears that, well, actually two versions of it. One saying he needs to get in contact with Adele and another one saying, no, he needs to be hypnotised. Paul, Paul McKenna would be the person who could get him out of that. It would be so much easier. So much easier. Uh, Will's is secret coffee shop couple with the dad's group. Uh, Carol Malone talking today about Innocent Cliff, who's done two years, which is true. Also telling right from Gong. And this is the hilarious Prince Edward turning up uh, in the, the funniest outfit I've ever seen. I mean, if anybody looked more like fancy dress, you'd be hard pushed to, to make sure it was him. And uh, there he is sporting a chest full of medals. And, uh, and Carol Malone says, but hang on, didn't he quit 
the Marines after four months. He did. So what were they for? Cycling proficiency? Making fairy cakes? No, it turns out some of them were commemorative from the Queen's Jubilee and the rest were given to him by Her Majesty, probably out of sympathy because his brothers had loads and Eddie had none. And so there he was sitting there trying to look as butch as possible, like he could ever join the armed forces. I remember when he was in the Marines and I remember afterwards, I think... Oh, actually, another story. And um, it reminds me that I think the Duke of Edinburgh was very disappointed. It's supposed to be butched out there. And did you see the other day? William getting told off by the Queen. William, stand up. How embarrassing for William. And he's preaching to us about how to be a father. And he doesn't even know that in the presence of Her Majesty, you stand out of anybody that should have known it. And the reason we know that she said that to him is because they had one of these lip readers in. And so they can see what they're saying. William, stand up. And so he sheepishly stood up. Silly boy. Silly, silly boy. You know damn well you don't sit in the presence of the monarch. Oh, blimey, if you don't know it and we have to tell you, that's very embarrassing. Very, very embarrassing. Bob says, greetings from Johannesburg. Robbie says, I'm on on my way to pick up the wife and kids at Heathrow. They've been to Kenya. Lovely. And, uh, Steve, when I see the balloons this morning, when I saw the balloons this morning, I, uh, <coughs> excuse me, I remember coming into work last year, listening to yourself, a bit like today. I filmed a little bit, but it was cloudy. The best part is you're in the background on the radio. That's nice. Thank you, Barry. That's nice. <laughs> I'm not sure whether it makes any difference, but it seems like quite a, good, uh, quite a good idea to have things like that. I like the idea that, sort of, you know, you've got balloons. There used to be a lovely piece of music, and it was on um, an album... It was on, uh, dear God in heaven, like the backpackers have arrived, isn't it, really? Here we go. And so, um, hi, great to work with you again. It's, um, what was I, I forgot where I was going to. Yeah, and so, <laughs> the Australian invasion has begun, hasn't it, really? Actually, we, we did have some, somebody recommending this Australian place for me to go to if I really wanted Australian food. I thought, why would I want Australian food? Hello, I'm British. We sent most of it over there with them. And uh, now, apparently, it's coming back again in shed loads. No, it's OK. Seriously, honestly, I joke about the Australians. Everybody does. And I, uh, no, I've always got a lot of time for them, like we have all the time in the world. I like him. He always comes. He's always got a smile on his face. Wind. And, um, you know, he comes in. He always looks happy to be here. Happy to be anywhere, I should imagine. Anyway, with his people, Australians always feel comfortable. They love it. You know, if there's a little group of people, you know, rugby or something like... Have you noticed? Australian rugby players have the tightest shorts you've ever seen in your life. What's going on there? What is happening there? They've all got really, really tight shorts on. And uh, little Mike has got very, very tight jeans. He wears these... What do they call... There's a name for them. There's a name for them where, where they sort of... You look as though you sort of ease them onto your legs. Skinny jeans. They're called skinny jeans. It's so... They're... Sp- Spray-on jeans. Are they spray-on jeans? Oh, right, the phone's going now. Uh, spray-on jeans. Is that... I mean, are they difficult to put on? Are they Are they sort of... Because I've seen them. I've seen them in Zara, I think. And to be honest with you, they're really difficult to wear. Really difficult. I mean, I, I can't get them beyond my knees. They're comfy, are they? Did you wear them back home, or are you sort of... They... Oh, surprise... Oh, right. Well, I don't want to go into that kind of thing at the moment. I went out with one of your fellow country people the other day. Well, I didn't, actually, but I'm going to be. Yeah, Barry Humphreys, yeah. He's taking me out for lunch when he comes back from holiday. We'll have so much to talk about. So much to talk about. So I'm looking forward to. I think we're going to the Garrick or somewhere like that. He's taking me to the Garrick. It's nice, isn't it? No, it's closed. It's closed. Well, you mean the... 
No, there's there's one down in Shepherd's Bush. That, that, that shut. Isn't that funny how that shut? Because that was always packed. Every time I used to go past there. How can somewhere that's always packed that appeals to... I think it was an Australasian bar. And I went past it this morning. I remember looking at it thinking, I must I must say something to Mike when I see him. And I couldn't think, well, I went past it. And, I thought, and it's all boarded up and everything else. I thought, how can something that's so successful be boarded up? Was it the people of Shepherd's Bush complained about the smell or something like that? Next to the Shepherd's Bush Empire. Oh, the Shepherd's Bush Empire is legendary as a as a music hall. Uh, it's owned by the BBC, or it was, and they used to film all their, the the um, a lot of their shows were filmed there. Shepherd's Bush Empire. It's a it's a, a genuine genuine old theatre. Really, it's lovely inside, but they've got the scaffolding up outside, so presumably they're and they use it for a lot of rock shows. No, there, which is very nice. But no, the walkabout was—I was really surprised. I thought that would have kept going because there can't be many places for the Australians to drink in town where they're welcome. Oh, there's one on the embankment. Oh, I know where that one is. Is that just by... On, you turn left out the embankment. Oh, right, it's there. Is it? Oh, right. I wonder who they were. Very odd-looking place, isn't it? To get. Have you been to that one, Mike? Have you been to that? Yeah? Oh, right. Because it used to be, down years and years ago, I don't know if they still do it, but a lot of the Australians uh, used to do their world trips and they would they would buy these sort of camper vans and then... Once they got to London, they couldn't be bothered to drive back home again. So they used to sell their camper vans on the embankment. And you would go down, I think on a Sunday morning, it'd be like 30 camper vans. Uh, you know, with a lot of people going, uh, good day, because they like that. Uh, good day, Steve. Uh, would you like, like a tinny? And would you like to buy my van? And, uh, and so people would buy their vans and they'd take them on around the world. You know, and I thought that was quite uh, really boring, isn't it? Really dull. But that's what the Australians do, ladies and gentlemen. Oh, and they brought you Skippy. You know, Skippy the Butch Kangaroo. And uh, he was very good as well. In fact, they brought us some of our most memorable television programmes. They really did. Summer Bay, Neighbours, all the people you hated in life. And, and that ultimate classic, Home and Away. And don't you wish they were. It, it was lovely. Everybody had a swimming pool. Everybody was called sort of Madge or something like that. They all, you know, and all, all the boys were very pretty. Of course, most of them terminal acne. And uh, they used to put them on the programmes, cover them with orange makeup, and then they sent them over to us to be in boy bands. I've said before, I was, I was one of the first people in this country uh, when the Australian invasion arrived. Um, and they came over from Neighbours, and we had everybody from Jason Donovan. And it was, like, it was like fan worship. Seriously, it was just amazing. It was absolutely amazing. I'm so glad I did it. So glad I did it. I remember going to the Hammersmith... Um, let's pull down now. No, not, not the Apollo. It was the... Um, the Palais, and that was a barn of a place. They used to have schoolboy nights or schoolgirl nights. Do you remember what it was? School dinners or something, or school something. And everybody used to go dressed as school children. I just think that was slightly peculiar, but anyway. And so they go there. But then I went there when they did the neighbours people over for the first time, and the place was heaving. And when Jason Donovan appeared, they went absolutely crackers. It was it was seriously you feared for your life. Such was the the power of neighbours in this country, and all due to Michael Grade. All due to Michael Grade's daughter telling him to move it to when the kids got home from school. And they did it, and it became cult following. Fantastic, isn't it? I blame that girl for everything. Nasty little piece of work, giving her blasted neighbours. Anyway, uh, didn't they film Crackerjack in the Shepherd's Bush Empire? Crackerjack. They did. They also filmed um, uh, the uh, other program with Brucey. Uh, what was the... Oh, I can't remember what it's called now. No, not The Price is Right. It was the... Um, um, oh. God. Larry Grayson used to do it. Bruce Forsyth did it. He'd come out and go, good game. We've got two couples here. You're going to play a little game for us. What were they used to play down at Shepherd's Bush Empire? It was... No, not Mr. and Mrs. Mr. and Mrs. Bruce Forsyth never did Mr. and Mrs. What did he do? Come on, type in Bruce Forsyth game shows. Generation game. And I went down there to watch it. 
God, it was boring. You'd have to sit there. The show ran for an hour on the television. Three hours filming. Seriously, your bottom had gone to sleep days before. It was awful. Because everything had to be done all on that one stage. So when they did the little playlet, and Bruce would say, look, your lights are on my sleeve. Read them there. Lights are on the sleeve. And then they did the conveyor belt at the back. All of that had to be set, taken on, taken off, taken everything else. Uh, 84850, steve at lbc.co.uk. So Crackerjack would have been done there. Uh, the hit was I Can't Let Maggie Go. No, that was Honeybus. Oh, dear, honestly. Honeybus had I Can't Let Maggie Go. And Up, Up and Away. Can you type in Up, Up and Away? Johnny Mann singers, I think it is. And, and Fifth Dimension might have done a cover of it, but they didn't have the hit. The hit was... Uh, Hit was with uh, the Johnny Mann singers. I'm pretty certain because I used to play it all the time. Up, up and away. Written by Jimmy Webb. Jimmy Webb wrote uh, loads of other things. And uh, da, 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 in, there you go. In the United Kingdom, it was the Johnny Mann singers uh, that became the top ten hit. Thank you very much. Thank you very much. I'm never wrong, I tell you. And uh, also the other one, which I said uh, was somebody else. Honeybus. Uh, was I Can't Let Maggie Go, which was used for Nimble Bread. Am I late again? I'm getting so bad with these times. Honestly, seriously, this this programme, it's, it's, I'm just, I can't tell the time. I'm like Vegas. I don't want you to know what the time is, except when it gets to seven o'clock and Andrew Castle is waiting. So you'll just have to bear with me. 11 minutes to seven. You're listening to a podcast from LBC. It's Steve Allen's early breakfast. It's Sunday. I can't believe this weather. T- I hope it's going to be nice. I really do hope it's going to be nice today. Steve, there's nothing to beat Australia's finest programme export, Skippy, the butch kangaroo. Says David in Hornsey, you must be of a certain age. And Dean says, I have to confess, I still watch Neighbours every day. <laughs> I wouldn't know where we were in Neighbours. I have also caught it in Home and Away and stuff like that. Uh, Dave says, talking of jeans, when is this stupid fashion of knees hanging out going to going to finish? I, I, use, I say to people now, God, you must have some dreadful moths in your wardrobe. And they look at me blankly. The amount of people who are buying jeans... I mean, what is going on, for goodness sake? It's ridiculous. People with ripped jeans. Ripped jeans, I ask you. What is going on in the world? You buy them. I know, you buy them. I wouldn't mind, you know, if you didn't actually buy them. But you buy them like that. It's the most ridiculous thing everywhere. Uh, Noreen, morning, says, Can you tweet a photo of the balloons? I can't. I don't know how to do it. So Seriously, I mean, I have to... My friend Jordan has to look at my phone and start doing things differently, because I can't do it. He did say this week, this, this is somebody who works for one of our sister stations up in Manchester, and, uh, and he, he, he lets me know what my interviews are, because he can see the booking form, and he said, oh, I know what you've got this week. I said, I said do you? And he said, yes, he said, you've got Jonathan Price on Monday. He said, and you've got Warwick Davis on Tuesday. I said, oh, right, thank you. <laughs> Just let me know what my bookings are. I get them quicker than for the the, uh, the producer. Happy birthday to Michelle, which is uh, lovely Gloria Feldman's daughter. And uh, so, Michelle, happy birthday for today. And our next music event is All or Nothing, a Faces music. Says Noreen. Gets great reviews. Good. I hope, uh, hope you enjoy that. Uh, the balloons are over Upminster. One of them looked like it was just missing my neighbour's house, says Carolyn. <laughs> Try not to think about that at all. And Steve, if a flock of ducks hit the balloons, they'll either bounce off or get crispy fried, depending on which part of the get the pancakes out now get the pancakes out now that sounds lovely doesn't it i do remember the nimble advert that's the one she flies like a bird in the high uh, like a bird and i wish that we said it's called i can't let maggie go by honeybus and they use that for the uh, the thing and i think honeybus and first class beach baby and a load of other hit singles were all the same man 
All the same man singing. All the same man. Steve, I'm now laying here thinking about uh, nimble bread, says Maggie. You're absolutely right, it is. I can't let Maggie go by honey bus. And uh, Khalid thinks he's seen another 30 balloons flying over Welling Garden City. What's going on? It's a balloon invasion. I quite like the idea, don't you? Don't you think that's something nice? I think that's really... I think that's a lovely thing to have. A balloon invasion. I mean, you couldn't have anything quieter. In the, the film music from, from Shaft, uh, there was a lovely piece of music that you could have used for ballooning because it was really... It was just uh, an electronic xylophone. It was lovely. Absolutely lovely. Uh, 84850, Steve at LBC. Steve, who needs Google when we've got you at LBC? A font of knowledge, yet with help from the producer, you say. He checks it out. Yeah, I say something, and he can get it up on the internet really quickly next door. And so then I can confirm it. But as I say, it's really embarrassing. I'm never wrong. I don't, I don't like to be right all the time, but, uh, but I am. Um, Steve, more balloons taken while sitting with a road accident near Lewisham. Martin, he says, I only catch up with you between calls. So sorry I missed the bits I ask about. You make our shifts go a little bit quicker. Nothing worse than a shift, is it, than uh, that drags. Flying Doctors was good, but I never saw Flying... I used to watch a series years ago, and you might remember it, called Whirly Birds, which was helicopters again, but I can't remember. It was black and white. But I, I can't remember whether they were doctors or they just sort of whizzed about all over the place. That's, it. That's all I remember. It was called Whirly Birds. And uh, somebody says, I think the offspring of Scott and Charlene... Coming into the show, and Paul Robinson's going to be set up for murder. We talked to him a while ago. He was very excited because he's really, they're all really nice actually in the series. They know how to do interview, they know how to do interview. And when you get somebody who does good interview, then uh, that's, that's the way it works. So uh, check out this evening, nine o'clock on LBC, and you'll be able to get uh, Steve Allen's in conversation, Billy Ocean. And Nadia Hussein, Nadia, the uh, the great British Bake Off star, and Billy Ocean, just just Billy Ocean, well worth it, well worth it. Nice man. We talk about a lot of things. Uh, Tony Burrows, thank you, Dave, uh, was the man who featured. He was the voice of everything. He's got an album out with him as himself singing. I think he lives in Amsterdam, and he was the voice of the Pipkins. He was the voice, uh, give me that ding, I think that was the Pipkins. Uh, Tony Burrows has got an album out. If you check out Tony Burrows, there's an album and it'll tell you all the songs that he was lead vocalist on. Because, in fact, at one point, uh, there we go. Uh, let, me, let me try and find some of these things. There was, um, he also uh, was a session harmony singer. He was White Plains. He was Edison Lighthouse. You know, love grows where my rosemary goes. He was also the Ivy League Tossing and turning. The Flowerpot Men. Let's go to San Francisco. Uh, first Class. Beach Baby. He did all... He was... He was... At uh, one time, I think he was twice on top of the pop. No, three. He was Edison Lighthouse, White Plains and Brotherhood of Man. He was three groups on top of the pops. And he, he has a, an album out. Tony Burroughs singing as himself, but singing all the hits that made him famous. He worked with Cliff Richard, he worked with James Last. They reckon he sung on about 100 top 20 hits in the 1970s. There's a claim to fame for you. Check him out. Tony Burrows. Really, really interesting. He's about 74 now. He's still working. He's still working. And uh, he, he, was, he was just amazing. It was the Flowerpot Men. They only had one hit single, Poor Flowerpot Men. The Let's Go to San Francisco. And... Um, you know, really absolutely amazing. So he was Edison Lighthouse, Love Grows, uh, Where My Rosemary Goes, White Plains, My Baby Loves Loving. I think uh, the Pipkins novelty song, Gimme That Ding. First Class is Beach Baby, and he also sang lead vocals on Brotherhood of Man's United We Stand. 
Check him out. It's one of those uh, legendary people in the music business. Very clever. Very clever indeed. Right. Well, that's it. I've just realised, actually, being a, being a Sunday. So uh, do check me out. You can go to my uh, Twitter page, which is at Steve Allen Show. <laughs> Producer has to help out. I, was, I, I came in this morning. I couldn't think of something. I thought, I'm having word blindness. I couldn't remember what it was. It was awful. And you try and form a picture in your mind. It's the start. I tell you, this is the downward start, I can tell you now. It's terrible. Uh, and uh, so we're back again, nine o'clock this evening with In Conversation. It's worth hearing, I promise you. If you missed it yesterday morning, you must go for it. I'm back again with you tomorrow morning between four and 6.30. And you can follow me on Twitter, at Steve Allen Show. So thank you very much indeed. Uh, the papers today, well, it's uh, Joe's death sparking the poll surge. It's the front of all the papers. The outpouring of grief for this, uh, for this family is quite justified. It's a, a tragic ending to somebody who they've said was, was practically perfect. And uh, I don't think there's a paper she doesn't feature on the front of. I hope the family are going to keep them because I think the children deserve to know just how much love there was for their mother. And, uh, and that's it. If you want a podcast, uh, we have a free podcast every day except Sunday and Saturday. And that runs Monday through Friday. You just download the free LBC app for your mobile or tablet and never miss a moment. So go to lbc.co.uk, download that app. That then means that you get the programme sent to you, uh, which is the free podcast. And then you can pay for the other podcast, which is all new, sophisticated singing and dancing, as you know. Uh, Katie Hopkins with you at uh, 10 o'clock this morning. Uh, but coming up right now on LBC with Sunday Breakfast, it's Andrew Castle. If you enjoyed this podcast, listen to Steve Allen live from 4am Monday to Friday and Saturday and Sunday from 5am.